And uh, a couple months ago, I was did a survey at the Sunday night service that I lead. We, we handed out a survey. We asked people to kind of write down some of the biggest issues and problems and sins and things going on in their life that they want to deal with. And so we got them back and we compiled them. And a lot of the issues were issues we all struggle with, things like uh, fear and anxiety and stress and uh, trying to find purpose and meaning in life and uh, gossip and people talking about us and things like that. And as I was preparing to kind of talk about some of these issues and address them, I was studying the Bible and I realized that the Bible describes how we deal with our own stuff how we deal with our own issues, very different from how our culture and our world does. The Bible describes it very differently. And so what I want to do this morning is actually kind of contrast that. I want to contrast the way we often talk about how we deal with our stuff and the way the Bible actually talks about it. And I'm doing this on the heels of uh, just the, the past month or so. I had actually had the privilege of going to no graduations this year. I know some of you had kids and grandkids who graduated and you love going to their graduations and seeing them. But truthfully, graduations are some of the most boring services ever in the history of the world. Right. Uh, and they always say kind of the same kind of things. They say things like, you know, go find yourself and follow your passions and march to the beat of your own drummer and all these kind of things that they tell us to go and do when you're graduating and go and find that out. And then you get to the real world and you realize it's not quite like that. And the truth is, the Bible actually describes things very different from a graduation speech and very different from our actual lives. So, so the first thing that we often say, we often say something like, go find yourself. All right. We say, go find yourself. But the Bible says something very different. The Bible actually says, deny yourself. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says this. Then he, he being Jesus, he said to them all. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. The truth is, the Bible actually says the best way to help yourself is to focus less on yourself. The Bible says the best way is actually focus less. It doesn't say go find yourself. It actually says deny yourself. And the reason it does is because the truth is, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, if we go and try to find ourselves, we're probably not going to be too happy with what we find. The other, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, we were having dinner at my house. And uh, we decided to have grapefruit. I love grapefruit. Grapefruit have, you know, they got that tangy kind of uh, nice, uh, nice fruit. The only problem with having grapefruit is how you have to eat it. I don't know how you eat grapefruit at my house, at your house. At my house, we cut them in half and then we have this little tiny grapefruit knife. How many of you have grapefruit knives? A few. Yeah, you got some grapefruit knives. Those they're little torture devices is what they are. And the reason is for every, you know, you cut a grapefruit in half and then you got half a grapefruit there. And for every piece of grapefruit you eat. You have to take this little knife and make like three little cuts. Cut the back, cut the side, cut the side. Now, there's like 10 to 12 pieces in each half a grapefruit, right? So to eat one half a grapefruit, you little cut, little cut, like 30 to 36 cuts just to eat half a grapefruit. So at my house, I went to the family and said, hey, okay, who wants grapefruit? Now, in my house, it's my wife, myself, and we have five kids. So there's seven of us. 
All right. So I said, who wants grapefruit? Everyone, everyone wanted grapefruit except my four-year-old daughter, Ivy. She said, I don't want grapefruit. So that works out well. That's six of us. That's three grapefruits cut in half. So I get the grapefruits, go sit down and I start cutting. Cut, 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 cut. One grapefruit. Cut, 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 cut. Half done. Cut, 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 cut. Half done. I am just about to cut into my own grapefruit. I have now cut almost 200 little cuts with my grapefruit knife and have yet to taste the grapefruit, right? So I'm cutting my grapefruit, and you know what's happening right about now. All of a sudden, my beautiful four-year-old daughter, Ivy, goes, I want one. And I came this close to just going off on my beautiful four-year-old daughter. You said you didn't want a grapefruit. You said you don't. Wow, you're going to take my grapefruit. I've been cutting, right? And, then, and I, went, I came that close to just going off on my four-year-old daughter about a grapefruit. The truth is, if we look inside and say, go find yourself. When I go find myself, I find a pretty selfish guy. Right? Maybe you're better than I am. Maybe you're, maybe you're, but, but I find a guy who's about to go off on my daughter because of a grapefruit. The Bible doesn't say go and find yourself. It actually says deny yourself. And the reason it says that is because the Bible and Christianity says something different about humanity than any other religion or worldview. The Bible actually says that at our core, our kind of natural selves, our natural instincts are actually that we have a tendency to make the wrong choice. We actually have a tendency to do the wrong thing. It's called original sin. You've probably heard about it. We actually have this tendency. If you go and say, find myself, I'm just going to go do what, you know, I'll I'll look deep inside myself. The the Bible says, if you do that, what you're going to find is someone who actually has a tendency to do the wrong thing. And so the Bible says, don't try to go find yourself. In fact, every day, this verse says, daily, take up your cross, deny yourself every moment, every day, and actually focus on others. Now, the Bible actually goes even further than that. We say sometimes, we say, go and be yourself. Right? We say, go be yourself. And there's some good reasons why we say something like be yourself. Right? We, we say be yourself sometimes because sometimes we're too preoccupied with what other people think of ourselves. We're too preoccupied trying to please other people and they say be yourself. That's, that's, that's good. Sometimes we say be yourself too because people feel like they have to be a fake version of themselves, especially in church. People feel like they have to pretend they're better than they are. And so they say be yourself. And that's sometimes good. But the problem is we also say be yourself. And we cover up for the fact that we actually should be dealing with ourselves. The Bible doesn't say be yourself. It actually says transform yourself. In 1 Timothy 4, it says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself. It doesn't say, no, don't, doesn't say hey, go, go be yourself. Because the truth is, if you're a jerk, you shouldn't go be yourself. All right? If you're greedy, you shouldn't go be yourself. If, if you're selfish, you shouldn't go be yourself. The Bible says, actually, train yourself to be godly. Recently, I was reading Steve Jobs' book. He was a very interesting person, uh, his biography. And, but the truth is, everyone knew he was a jerk. Now, as I was reading this book, uh, some of the people who work for me knew that I was reading it, and they told me, stop reading. 
And the reason is they thought that I would think it's okay to be like Steve Jobs was, like to be extremely critical, to tell people how horrible everything was. They say, you can't read this, Josh. You're going to say, think it's okay to do that. My, my natural tendency is to be very kind of rude and selfish. That, that's who I am. If, if I try to be myself, you probably don't want to be around me. Uh, anybody want to go hang out afterwards? I'm, that's my personal ad right there, you know, a jerk who yells at his daughter. Um, you know, so the Bible says not be yourself, transform yourself. And how do you do that? This, this verse here says uh, in Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The idea is that don't try to just go and be yourself. Actually focus on being godly. Right? Don't, don't be yourself. Actually focus. Think about what, is, what you're supposed to be doing. What God described life to be. How we're supposed to be treating each other. That's the things we should be focusing on. Because unless we are focusing on those things, we are going to be our natural selves. We're going to be ourselves unless we are constantly focusing on who God is and how he describes living and life. And that's why it says, think about those things. Don't focus on being yourself. Focus on what it means to be godly. There's a phrase that I've heard recently that I, I actually, I, I was, I hadn't heard it in the past. I, I kind of tried to do some research to figure out where this phrase started. The earliest I could come up with was a 2006 news article that used this phrase. But it's a phrase I know I've used. I'm, I'm going to guess that a lot of people have actually used this phrase. And the phrase is, me time. Have you heard that phrase? You've heard the phrase me time? Some of you hadn't. That's good. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a new phrase that people are saying, hey, I need some me time. I, I need some me time. They tell it to their spouse or their kids or the people at work or whatever. I, I need some me time. And it seems to be a new phrase because I don't remember it being around for that long. But the problem is, and it's become very popular. In fact, there are people that say, hey, yes, you need to go get some me time. You need to go play golf for me time. You need to go get your mani-pedi for your me time. That's it's pretty common out there. And the problem with that is, for even for myself, anytime I've had that attitude, you go out and you get some me time and then you come back and what do you want? More me time. The solution to actually wanting me time isn't getting me time. It's actually a change of attitude. Because the truth is, unless you lived in a family that had servants like 100 years ago, you probably have more me time than any point in history. I, I can't imagine, you know, somebody from colonial times, let's say it's colonial Martha, she's churning butter and she's like, hey, I, I need some more me time. I, I just don't think it happened, you know. I can't imagine, you know, farmer William out there on the farm, you know, slaughtering his own cow going, hey, I, I need some me time. It, it, just, it just didn't exist. This idea that I actually need time for myself. And the Bible actually gives a very different view of that. It gets a very different view from our culture. Our culture says you need some me time. The Bible says, no, you need a transformed attitude and spirit that says, hey, life is not about me. It actually says my entire life is about serving others. So if you're struggling, and I've been there, I've struggled with that me time, wanting that before. If you're there, my, my suggestion is you spend some time praying and asking God, God, you really need to change my heart. You really need to change my heart. You need to help me to see that life is truly about serving others. Life is truly, it's not that I need me time. I need a change of attitude. I need to ask you, God, please, please 
Change my heart. Change my attitude. So I see that life is about that. One of the other things we say. We say, just do what feels right. Or you probably don't say it quite that bluntly. You say something like, oh, it just felt like the right thing to do. Right? We, we say, hey, this just kind of, this, this felt like the right thing to do. And God actually says something quite different. God says, do what I say is right. Let me read this verse for you. This is a really powerful verse. As I was been reading and meditating on this verse over the past few weeks, it was just like, it just hits me so hard. Let me read it for you. Galatians chapter five, 13 says this, it says you, my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Did you hear that? The flesh, that is our natural selves. Our natural selves take us in the wrong direction. The truth is sometimes we get tired of kind of like, oh man, I, you get tired of real, thinking, oh, I need to do something different than I want. But what the Bible describes is our life is going to be a continual struggle against our natural selves. Our natural selves are going to constantly take us in the wrong direction. So our life is continually looking to God and asking God to help us reorient ourselves away from ourselves, away from our natural tendencies to what God wants. It says, for the desires of the flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. And then it's got this last phrase right there that ends. It says, so that you are not to do whatever you want. You are not to do whatever you want. This is a common phrase in my house. You are not to do whatever you want. It's usually my wife talking to me, but sometimes it's me talking to my kids, too. Uh, but you, know, you are not to do whatever I want. Now, those of you who have kids or have had kids, one of the most frustrating things, one of the most frustrating things is you told your kid, hey, don't do this. And they go do that exact thing, like moments later. Now, maybe your kids are better than mine. I'm sure they are. But you tell, hey, don't go touch that. And what do they do? They touch it. They, they do it just right then and there. They do the exact opposite of what you told them to do. So the next thing that happens at my house is there's a phrase that we often say. I say to my kids probably multiple times every day. If your dad tells you to do something and you want to do something else, what should you do? The proper response from them is do what your dad said. That's not what they always give, but that's the proper response. The pro- if, you, if, if your dad tells you to do something and you want to do something else, what should you do? And the truth is, God is saying the exact same thing to us. God is saying the exact same thing to us. He's saying, hey, if you want to do something, but it's not what I said that you're supposed to be doing, what I described what life is about, what the Bible describes is the attitude and actions that you're supposed to do. If you want to do something, but I told you not to do it, don't do it. And God's like, it's just that simple. And, and God's like, the reason is that I want the best for you. Just for the reason I do it is I want the best for my kids. I don't want my kids to get hurt. I don't want them to do something that's going to harm them. That's the same reason God does that for us. He's like, God's like, hey, I want the best life for you. 
I actually want you to go through life and be less stressed out, to have less anxiety, to have less of a struggle, to actually relate to people in a way that's honoring. I I want you to be able to go through life in a way that actually is the best for you. And so this is why I gave you some idea of how you're supposed to live in the Bible. God says, and so if you want to do something else, if you want to treat people differently than I describe how to treat them, if you want, if you want to do that, don't do it. God makes it pretty much that simple. He's like a dad saying, hey, if you want to do it, and I said not to do it, don't do it. Unfortunately, often we're like our kids. We really are. And that's why our life kind of goes off track and things get in ways and we treat people in ways that we shouldn't. And all this stuff happens and our life gets messy. And then we get to go back to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Right? That's what we want our kids to do. Our kids, go say you're sorry. And God says, hey, just come back and say the same thing. Come say, I'm sorry, and I'll be there for you. I'll help you through the next thing. We'll get through this again. But we say, hey, you know, hey, this kind of felt like the right thing to do. God says, no, just do the opposite. Do what I said. I don't know if you guys watch Seinfeld. Maybe you stay up late and watch the reruns that are on. But there happened to be a particular episode where there's a guy named George Costanza. If you've never seen the show, George is a middle-aged, bald, pudgy loser of a character. All right? That's just who he is. And in this particular episode, he is, uh, doesn't have a job. He's still living with his parents in his mid-40s. And uh, he actually comes to this epiphany. He comes to this epiphany in the episode. He's sitting there and he says, you know what? Every single instinct... Every single decision I've made is wrong because it's led me to this point of being a single 40-year-old man living in my parents' basement. Everything I've done is wrong. He's, so, so the epiphany he comes from, he goes, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I think I should do. If I, I'm going to actually go and just do the exact opposite of everything that I, that I think I should do. Because if, if the decisions I've made have led me to this point where I am, then the opposite has to be right. And so in this episode, he actually does that. He actually goes and talks to women that he wouldn't talk of. He orders a different sandwich. He he talks in a job interview the exact opposite of how he normally would. And things actually start going better for him. Things go better for him because he does the exact opposite of every instinct he's ever had. And God tells us kind of something similar. The fact is you've got to realize that your natural tendency leads you towards selfishness, towards treating people the wrong way. Was doing the wrong thing. And so God says, you know what you need to do? You need to know how I described how to live. And then you need to live that way. That's ultimately going to be the best for you. One more verse I want to read. And I think this verse kind of really summarizes in a lot of ways this attitude. I think what we need, what, what God wants for us is a not me attitude. That's really what I've been realized is the key to dealing with all these issues. The key to dealing with all these issues, no matter what they are, no matter what issues you're struggling with at the moment. One of the major keys is to say, hey, it's, it's not about me, not about what I want, not about what I'm feeling. What I just want to do, what God says is the right thing to do. And Paul gives us a very challenging uh, exhortation in 1 Corinthians that, that I want to read for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, it says this. Paul says, hey, I have the right to do anything. I have the right to do whatever I want. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do everything, but not everything is constructive. 
I have the right to do it. I, I, I have the freedom. I have the right that I can do these things. I can do things however I want. I have the right to do that. But not everything is beneficial, is constructive, is truly the way we were created to live. So no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. That's ultimately one of the major things about this whole not-me attitude. That my entire life is not about seeking my own good. And again, this is the very opposite of what our culture often tells us. It's about, hey, you need to take care of yourself. You need... The Bible said, no, 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 no. It's the complete opposite of that. If you actually want true life, you've got to realize it's not about you. It's not about doing what's best for you. It's not about doing what you feel like is the right thing to do. It's about doing what's best for others. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, whatever you're doing, do it all, not for yourself, but for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many. Again, he hits it again right there. Not about me. It's not about me. It's about the good of many. Why? So that they may be saved. The idea that God has behind this is that we, those of us who come to church, who claim to follow Christ, claim to follow Christ who was unbelievably selfish, came down from the perfection of heaven where everything was great, came down to live on this earth, came down to die a horrible death, that, that the idea is those of us who claim to follow this guy Jesus, those of us who follow him, we should look differently. There should be something radically different about those of us who are in church. Amazingly different about those of us who come here. We should interact with people in a different way. We should have this not-me mentality. There should, people outside will say, man, there's something different about that person. They interact with people. They treat people differently. They treat their family different. They treat their workplace different. There's something different. And you know what? I want to be like that. In fact, it goes on to say, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Sometimes this is translated, Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And one of the questions that I challenge myself and challenge all of us with is, are we living in such a way that we would tell people around us, hey, imitate me? And that's not going to mean you're perfect. You're not going to be perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. But, but you are focusing on what it means to be godly. You are denying yourself. You're living in such a way that you would say to people, hey, hey, imitate me. I'm trying to imitate Christ. That's how I'm trying to live. I'm trying to imitate him every single day, denying myself every day, having this not me attitude every day. And so you kind of imitate me. Because if we did that, We would transform our community. And there are a lot of people at BlackRock who do this every single week. 
That's part of the reason Black, Blackwack is the amazing church it is. I, I know some friends recently who, uh, who were involved in cleaning up a friend's house. It was literally like an episode from Hoarders where they had to help this person clean up their house. And they did it for weeks. They went and sacrificed of their own time, so they did that. I know of some friends who, instead of throwing a birthday party, collected some money for a friend because they were in some financial situation, and they gave this to them, and they were just crying because they saw how much that the people had sacrificed for them. We have amazing people who do this. But the truth is, what God is calling is for every single one of us. Every single one of us who say we follow Jesus to live in such a way that we can say, imitate me. But not, it's not be yourself. It's transform yourself. It's not find yourself. Deny yourself. It's not do what I feel right. It's do what God says is right. And the reason is because if we do that, it says right there, if we do that, other people will notice. And they will come and say, you know what? I want to follow that guy, Jesus, too. I, I see what's going on in your life. I see how your family is different than other families. They actually treat each other differently. I, I want to follow that Jesus that enables you to do that. They see how you react in a workplace where things are really stressful and people are at each other. They're like, I, I, I see the way you act there. I, I see the way you, you, you sort of don't have this anxiety that we all have. I, I want some of that. That's the model that God set up as the church. That's the model. It's a group of people who are continually, constantly, every day saying, hey, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not, it, it is about what I can do for others. And the reason I am doing that is because I'm following Christ. I, I hope you're catching the vision of what would it look like to have thousands of people doing this in our community. That's the vision God has for the church. That we all go out from here. We leave here and we live like this every single day. And as we do that, it's noticeable. It's transformative. It transforms a city, a nation, a world. People are like, I want that. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And I'm going to ask that as we do that, I'm going to ask that you just kind of spend a few minutes quietly. And you may be kind of going, yeah, you know what? There's some areas in my life that I really, I don't have this not me attitude. I don't have it. It could be with some family members. It could be with a job. It could be... I don't know who it's with. I don't know what it's with. And so I'm going to ask. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to leave a time for some silence. And I'm going to ask for you in that moment that you would be asking God. Because truthfully, ultimately, what we are asking for is God to transform ourselves. Right? Our natural self is going to lead us in the wrong direction. We need God to transform ourselves, to change our attitudes so that we see people differently, so that we act differently. So I'm going to ask you just in the quiet between you and God for you to personally ask God, say, God, in this area, please help me have a not me attitude. Let me pray and I'll give us some silence where you can do that. God, I know for me, I, it's a constant struggle. I think of Paul who says so often that he goes, I don't do what I want to do. And God, I know that it's that struggle for us, but I also know that you have ultimately promised to give us victory. To give us victory over an attitude of selfishness, over an attitude 
of just our own individualism. God, and I pray that in this moment, as people are crying out to you, I pray that you would reach down inside them. That you would allow them to walk out of here and see their lives differently. God, I pray that you would hear these prayers right now.